the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To spend 40, 50, 60, 70, even 80 years studying God's Word is to come away with nothing more than a teaspoon of water out of the Pacific Ocean, as we'll see next on Abounding Grace. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, hi there and welcome. This is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Today we continue our survey of Job. Gary is in chapters 25 and 26, a couple of shorter chapters in the book, but still full of insight and wisdom. The Outskirts of God's Way is the title of our message today, and indeed, as we consider the greatness of God, we still find ourselves in the outskirts of God's way. In other words, we realize just how little we really know about how big our God really is. And that's the message that comes through in our passage before us today. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner as we study Job together on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Today it's kind of a different title on this sermon, but I hope by the time I'm finished you'll understand what it means. The outskirts of God's way. Now, these are both very short chapters, and so I decided to cover them both today. And on top of that, they are also very compatible with one another. But here we have Bildad's final offering of advice, which also happens to be the last time one of Job's three friends speak. And Bildad here makes two points that are well worthy of our consideration. The first thing he says is that God's greatness, God's power should fill us with awe. And beloved, I ask you, how could it not? Look at verse 2. Dominion and awe belong to him. He rules over everything. Bildad says, in effect, that nothing that happens, happens outside of God's control, outside of his will or his guidance. And everything he does is worthy of our praise and should make us tremble. Verse 2b, he makes peace in his high places. The stars, the movements of the planets, all of this seems to just be hurling through space. Yet the Lord knows the stars by name. And he governs their course so that in everything there is harmony, direction, and order. Verse 3. Is there any number to his armies? His name is Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts. 
He has a mighty army of angels that surrounds his throne, that sing his praises day and night, that fly through the universe. And scripture says, this is to minister to us who are the heirs of salvation, so that everywhere God's light can be found. Bildad is obviously at some level here rebuking Job and reminding him of God's power and majesty and saying, in effect, Job, stop complaining. Don't you realize what a worm you are in light of who God is? Now, Job's answer to that question will be, yes, I do. And I don't appreciate you thinking that is what I need to hear at this time while I'm weeping. In fact, Job goes on to talk about God's majesty far better than Bildad did. But we do well to think about this for a second. In light of our sufferings and our sorrows... Are we still faithful? Sometimes it seems like, man, things are just spiraling out of control. Really? If God controls the courses of the stars and the universe, there is nothing spiraling out of control. And this is where science has really done us a bad turn, at least unbelieving science. Because it thinks, well, because of this and because of that, this is why this happens. As if that changes anything. The fact that we may be able to understand just a little, and I'm not sure we even do, of the reasons why the things in the heavens and the stars turn out as they do, that doesn't change the fact that God is the one who makes them act as they do. And brings harmony and peace. So when we are fearful, we need to understand, wait a minute. God is bringing order. And I don't need to understand any of this. I don't have to understand how He is bringing good in any of this. But I do need to bow before His majesty. Because if I don't bow before Him... And I don't see a little bit of God's glory. I'm going to walk around thinking I'm a little God. I've got everything under control. Everyone needs to bow before my whim. Life needs to go like I want it to go. But when we see a little bit of God's glory. And oh, how majestic that glory is. We can then go out into a field somewhere where the stars are not obscured by the clouds. And think, oh man, God made all of this. He just called it into existence with the breath of his mouth. He calls all the stars by their name. He rules all of their courses. He directs them. They sing for joy and praise to Him. And then, beloved, as I think on this, I can be at peace even if I'm in pain. 
I can be at peace even when things seem chaotic because I know the God who has dominion over all things. Of course, sometimes some things seem to be spiraling out of control on earth. We see evil men seeming to get away with their wretched schemes. We live in a culture of lies, and some of you know this far better than I do. Lies every day pass for truth. People make it through all their years of elementary school and secondary school and college and graduate school, and they never, ever, ever hear the truth about God, themselves, or the world. But they get a piece of paper that says, You're a master, or you're a doctor. I ask you, in what? In lies. It seems like things are out of control. But wait a minute. They're not. God's got his armies, and he's ruling all things by his power. So we don't need to be afraid, beloved. The angels ministered to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see this very tenderly in the Gospels at very critical points. His temptation in the wilderness, his agony in the garden. And you know, the angels love to minister to those for whom Jesus died. Don't ever forget that. It will probably be one of the neatest things about heaven. When God tells us the story of all the times... That you and I were ministered to, protected, helped, encouraged by these secondary creatures, the angels, that we never see. And yet God rules the earth and shows his majesty through them. So that's the first thing Bildad says. Job, you ought to be filled with awe by God's highness, his majesty. And we should, because think about it. Here's the answer to our fears. There are a lot of bad things that happen to us. Some of us live in pain. We have health issues. Some of us have financial issues, marital issues, children issues. We live in a fallen world. Beloved, life is broken and we're broken. And it's easy sometimes to be burdened down by this. Now, a lot of people turn to the bottle or to drugs or, you know, they just go out to the movies. Anything to forget. But when we act like big boys and big girls and we face the truth about life, it can be a little bit undoing. It it, it can be a little bit depressing. But here's the answer for it. God is all powerful. God has everything under control. And this God is our Father. And He loves all of us in His Son. So we can be at peace by remembering God's glory and God's majesty. Let me encourage you, as part of your renewal during this new year, when you read Scripture, When you look out at the world and God's works, when you read of disasters, when you see God's hand, don't forget, remind yourself, wait a minute, 
Who has done this? God has done this. We live in a universe that manifests His power and His glory. And one of the reasons He does things that we're not real happy about is to put us in our proper place and to remind us that we are not ruling things. Our wishes don't control reality. We do not live in a Disney movie. Life is not like the movie Frozen or Cinderella or Adam, Aladdin and his magic lamp. I live in God's world. And it's not about us, beloved. We are supposed to bow before His majesty and trust Him because He loves us. Bildad makes one other point in verses 4 through 6, which follows very, very clearly from this previous point. Since God is so high, Bildad says to Job, in effect, Job, how can you make yourself right with God? How can you defend yourself? He is too high. And of course, we would say, and so would Job, you're right, Bildad. And, and Job already said this in chapter 9, verse 3. He said, I'm not aware necessarily of any big sins in my life that I have not repented of. But God does have a thousand things he could bring against me. A thousand charges. So we need to face this other part of it as well. And that is, God is pure. It's interesting that what many evangelicals today don't believe in, Job and his friends did believe in. Original sin and inherited depravity. These are fundamental to our faith. If we do not believe that all men fell in Adam, then we don't believe the truth about reality. We are believing in a delusion. If we do not believe that men came into this world corrupted and tainted by sin, then we do not believe in reality. We believe in a fiction. These men did believe in this reality. The reality of man's depraved nature. And rightly so. Therefore, verse 4. How can he be clean that is born of a woman? Now, this is not an insult intended for women, ladies. It is just a recognition that we are born sinful. And we can't mount up to God's purity. Verse 5, notice what he says there. The moon in comparison to God's purity doesn't even shine. The stars are filthy and they are blotted out in comparison to his purity. You know, there, there's a purity and a righteousness in God that, just frankly, none of us can even fathom. I mean, we see a reflection of it in the law. But that's not as high as God. God's own holiness and his separateness from sin is far above even his law. It says he is of pure eyes. 
And 2 Corinthians 5 says that when Christ was made sin for us, the Father did what? He looked away. God cannot look at sin. He is too holy. Now why is this said here in verse 6? How much less man that maggot or that worm? We're certainly not pure. We certainly don't shine. We are worms. We are maggots. So why does Bildad reveal these things to us? God's highness, God's majesty, his dominion, his power, and then his purity. I think one main reason. Obviously, he meant to humble Job. This isn't exactly what Job primarily needed to hear here, but it is certainly something we can all profit from. Because we need to be humbled, my friends. In our lives every day, it's really easy to fall into a kind of thinking, you know what, all of this depends upon me. I'm directing the course of my life. We forget we are not in control. Nor are we as good as we think we are. Most of the time, what do we do? We go out and compare ourselves to other people. Or we may not say, oh, that person is pretty bad. But we will think, I'm pretty good in comparison to this person or that person. But the standard is not other people. The standard is God's own purity. So when God reveals his highness to us, even a little bit, the outskirts of his way, just a little portion of his way, this is to keep us humble. Like David said in Psalm 8, Lord, when I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, the moon, the stars, Was David's response then, boy, I'm a pretty good guy. No, he says, what is man, O God, that you are mindful of him? That is the perfect posture for a Christian in 2017. Lord, what am I that you are mindful of me? Isn't it funny how we'll go over to the other side? You know, something happens to us. Lord, why are you doing this to me? Instead of our response should be, Lord, why didn't you do this to me before? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand instead of, why doesn't this happen to me all the time? Because when we are humbled by God's highness and his majesty and his purity, and we realize, I've got nothing but Jesus. I have no righteousness that will meet God's gaze except for the obedience of the Son of God imputed to me. So we must have a biblical view of ourselves. And boy, is there a lot of peace in that. When we see ourselves as scripture sees us. 
when we recognize our sinfulness and we confess it freely, we can then come to our Heavenly Father and ask for forgiveness. And He will blot out our sins and bring us seasons of refreshment when we realize we are not the great, the strong, the mighty, but we are meek and lowly. God dwells with us, and we have His fellowship and His presence. So these are extremely useful lessons for us that we're hearing from Bildad. Job, however, chapter 26, did not appreciate his friends very much. Now, it's not that he disagreed with them. I mean, he's... He is about to out majestic Bildad's majesty. He says to Bildad, in effect, as well as to his other two friends, are, are you helping me at all here? I know I have no strength in and of myself. Do you think I'm keeping up this debate with you, this contest with you out of pride? Don't you think I know that I don't have any wisdom to understand what's happened to me? Look at me. I'm covered with boils. My children are dead. Everything I had has been taken away. Why are you talking to me like this? Your words are suffocating me to death. You're not helping me at all. Well, I can understand where Job is coming from. And all of us probably can a little bit. He was a godly man. And he did believe in God's majesty. I mean, why else did Job live such a godly life? He, he believed in God's purity. Why did he offer sacrifices? Because he knew he was a sinner and he needed cleansing. Job believed these things. But Job was also hurting. And he didn't have any thought of going into God's presence and debate with him, trying to bring him down from his throne. But he wanted an answer to his trials. Lord, why does a man who fears you get treated like this? I don't understand it. I want you to come and talk to me and restore me to the sweet fellowship that we had before. Now before we look at what Job, Job says, I want to correct him a little bit here. Because it's interesting to me that in chapter 25 and what Job says in chapter 26 is clearly anticipating what Elihu is going to say and is clearly anticipating what God is going to say at the end of this book. Let me explain. We've noticed before that God never answers Job's conundrum, Job's questions, such as, why would you treat a righteous man like this? God never answers that question. Why do the godly suffer? God does not answer that question. Why do the wicked seem to get away scot-free and never seem to get punished and never seem to go through the things that the godly men go through? God never answers that question. What does God do? He does the very thing Bildad does here in one respect. And that is he reveals something of his majesty to Job. 
which I think is instructive for us because we live in an age that thinks there is an answer to everything. If there is a disease, find an answer. If there is some kind of limitation to our resources, find an alternative. Is my nose crooked? Then we need to fix it. Whatever it may be, there is an answer for everything because what? We, we, we can fix it. Throw enough money at it. Throw enough technology at it. Throw enough education at it. We can get away from the curse. We can get away from the brokenness of life on our own. One of the things I really like about these two chapters and what is so challenging about the last third of the book that we are now entering into is the fact that I think God is teaching us something here that is just so important to give us peace and to calm our hearts and to stable our minds in the midst of our troubles. And that is this. You and I don't need answers as much as we need humility before God. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Grace.